Welcome to One Health Wednesdays. This podcast aims to promote the principles of One Health and encourage professional development. Here's your host, Ginger Dixon. Hello, welcome to One Health Wednesdays, a collaboration between LabOp and One Life FE Solutions. I'd like to introduce our guest today, Maliraj Shavila. Hi, hi, Ginger. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. So you are a wildlife biologist. Would you like to talk more about your background and how you got to this point in your career? That's right. So uh, so uh, I'm uh, currently uh, doing my epidemiology. Actually, I finished actually. <laughs> I did my epidemiology master's uh, in Glasgow. But uh, basically, yeah. I'm a wildlife biologist. I started early before like five years or something. I started my career. And uh, I started from the Western Ghats of India, which comes to the southern parts of India, where I started uh, delving into the uh, uh, wildlife uh, habitats, different kind of habitats we do have in, in, the, in the Western Ghats region. So I started very young as a, you know, uh, I would say like an amateur. I started like that and uh, started exploring more of the forests and the kind of habitats that the animals live in and pretty much to that subject and that uh, was uh, eventually my area of interest. So uh, that is when I decided that I'm going to do this and I started uh, involving more deeper into it, started connecting with a lot of um, uh, practicing wildlife geologists. I started volunteering for them, started doing internships with them. And then I, I eventually learned a lot over the years. And uh, yeah, that's how I started my career uh, as a wildlife geologist. And then as a uh, while I was doing my internship in one of the rainforests in the southern part of India, um, uh, one question was always there in my mind uh, with respect to my undergrad degree. Uh, basically, I was doing my uh, zoology and biotechnology along with chemistry in my uh, undergrads. So I was kind of always um, worried about how do I connect these subjects. And then that is when this happened. So when I was uh, studying my zoology, I was pretty much interest, interested in animals that I was doing very fine. And then um, when I was doing biotechnology, that is when I realized that there is a gap between um, uh, the animal subject, I mean, just the zoology and the laboratory science, uh, which is uh, the biotechnology aspects. So that is when I decided to bring in a change or uh, try to bridge the gap in between these two subjects and see how it comes up, comes by. And with that, uh, you know, kind of very immature idea back then, I didn't know much. So I started like that and started speaking to a lot of my lecturers and my uh, colleagues and a lot of experienced wildlife biologists whom I was collaborating with. So they kind of um, gave me a you know, um, insights as to how this works. And that is when I realized I was on the very uh, perfect track for, for what I really wanted to do eventually in my life. So yeah, that's how I uh, landed up doing epidemiology uh, of infectious diseases and antimicrobial resistance from the University of Glasgow. I just had my master's in that um, uh, subject as well. So when I, yeah. And congratulations. That's fantastic. And thank you. Jeff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always a huge achievement. Yeah. <laughs> and that's wonderful that, you know, you're asking those important questions about, you know, how do I connect these different fields? It's a really unique, you know, combination of 
of experiences. That's right. Yeah, that 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 question uh, was always there in my mind. So that's when I realized that I should get into it to more deeper to understand uh, how it works. So uh, I'm happy that I could you know connect these subjects, and this is when I you know uh, felt the heat as to you know how do we connect like for example today we are talking about one health so like when when uh, back then i i never knew what is one health or is there a subject or is there a uh, approach like that and nothing at all like that is when um uh, i was left clueless i was only trying to connect my knowledge what i had gained over years like in in working in the field in the in the rainforest um in the uh, in the in the general habitat for the animals and doing my zoology degree and along with biotechnology doing a lot of laboratory based uh, trainings and all of these things were quite tricky for me that's when this happened and yeah it is quite uh, interesting uh, now I, I i kind of feel like i've connected the dots <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely sounds like you know you've kind of hit all these different fields and done an excellent job of putting them together to you know to uh, to connect in one health and make something really unique here yeah you said you worked with in the um in jungle habitats what types of animals did you work with there so uh Recently, uh, I've actually started this very long. Uh, I I I was a experienced hiker, so when I started um, uh, going into the jungles, I started as a hiker to to just know the habitats and to work with any kind of animals. I was very much interested in. But then, um, uh, one of my treks, uh, one of my hiking experience, I had uh, in a place called uh, Karnataka. That's a that's a state in uh, India. So I was going on a lot of hiking tours and all that. So um, once I uh, stumbled upon a, a viper, so that is when I I thought like that's my first viper I saw in the forest. So it was pretty fascinating. Before that, I I used to stay in a, in a in a jungle. I mean, sorry, city jungle. I would say <laughs> it's just um, <laughs> it's just a Bangalore city I stay in. So there's nothing much you get to see. It's just a big four venomous snakes of India that you get to see. But uh, seeing a different snake for the first time, uh, you know gave me a different kind of vibe i would say so i understood that uh, there are a lot more that we have not yet seen in life so, so i started searching more and more and that's when i uh, realized that i'm too much into snakes and uh, <laughs> with that with that very interest i i just went deeper 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 and uh, eventually uh, uh, i started um, working with the uh, a famous wildlife biologist in india uh, named uh, gauri shankar he works with the king cobras uh, and uh, yeah that was like a big go or dream for me you know starting from a viper uh, delving deep into the uh, rainforest and uh, trying to understand um, the animals better and yeah. eventually come and work with such a person who is who's been working in the field for 20 years now he's he's working with king cobras and yeah so <laughs> i'm currently uh, having that experience of working with uh, king cobras yeah that's fantastic. And I, if I remember correctly, you've done some work in, in education with people about, you know, safety around snakes and protecting snakes. Um, is that correct? 
That's right. That's right. So, um, like I just now said, uh, I started working with um, uh, Mr. Gauri Shankar, uh, mm-hmm. who is um, quite experienced in this field. Uh, like I said, he's, he's, he's over 20 years of experience now. He's got it. So yeah. I, I started volunteering and started accompanying in a lot of workshops and a lot of wildlife, aware, uh, wildlife awareness programs. And um, by doing so, I could actually um, understand the need uh, for you know the, the conservation um, aspects um, basically I'm talking about the the gap in between the conservationists and the local people so I kind of wanted to bridge that gap uh, by you know doing this even in an even better way so that is when I spoke to uh, my management when I was working with Gauri Shankar so uh, he had he has an organization named Kalinga Center for Rainforest Ecology which is um, in the Agumbe region of Karnataka, which comes to the southern part of India. So that is the rainforest, basically. Uh, it's it's a rainforest research station. Then I uh, I was pretty impressed, impressed by what they were doing in the rainforest. And then I spoke to him. And then um, uh, he was kind enough to offer me a, a internship position there. Um, then I started as an intern for him and going around a lot of districts, a lot of different places and, um, you know, getting more exposure. Uh, once I, uh, I was pretty confident that I can, yes, I can now uh, go out, speak to the public and try um, what I, what I always wanted to say. So this, with this, um, um, idea or with this experience that I gained over years, I started working with them uh, in the field, going out for outreach programs. And eventually I I uh, started mastering this and uh, uh, I was asked to go alone. And that's how confident they were that <laughs> the way I was speaking about the conservation issues and uh, the, the the snake bite uh, the pro awareness that I always wanted to give to the local public because given that it's a rainforest, it is quite um, expected for the uh, reptiles or basically the snakes um, to you know found in abundance. So a lot of people um, they are not very much. Uh, against the snakes but for some reason you know it's it's about you know nobody wants to get bitten it's whether whether venomous or non-venomous always yeah that's that was the kind of uh response from the people then this i when i watched very closely with a lot of people then i understood yes this has to be changed because you don't have to go all around the jungle killing snakes because they look you know creepy or scary for you Mm-hmm. which they are not basically so they are just living their ha- life in their habitat so this this uh you know gave me a spike in, in me and then i understood that yes i need to protect this and i need to speak i need to watch for them and i went down i started speaking and yeah i did pretty good work and started covering like over like 15 to 20 school and college that i um that was around the, the rainforest uh field station and um, yeah, I've also come down to many cities and uh, spoken to a lot of uh, the educated community and the uneducated communities as well. So that you know, we are we are covering everybody 
um, since I have a, I had a language advantage, um, that's, uh, I knew the local language where I was working in. So mm-hmm. that's, that turned out to be a very good advantage for me so that I was very happy that I could reach every, you know, every people, every, uh, yeah, what I would say, like every age group or every sector, if every uneducated or educated person in the society. So that's what I did over years when it comes to the social awareness programs. Yeah, that's wonderful. And and that's a huge part of One Health too is you know, that that injury prevention, you know, is is part of public health and part of interacting, you know, well with, with wildlife. And that's awesome that you're out there doing that. Do you feel like people were were receptive? You know, did you feel like um the education that you're doing was really hitting home with people and helping them to to interact with the snakes better? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, that's when I, that's why I, I just now told you about the, you know, kind of uh, confidence that my organization, uh, you know, started putting in me because yeah. Yeah. Um, when I just started, people were not so much, you know, um, uh, receiving or uh, receptive to the to whatever we were saying but eventually when I started doing it in my way I just brought in a lot of things that I always wanted to see uh, like I said like every one of us have different ways of working mm-hmm. so when I brought in my way of doing like that is my way as in I started connecting the scientific aspects with the like I said I was also talking to the uneducated sector as well because uh, uh, we just cannot afford to just concentrate on the um, educationists or the wildlife biologists or the students alone. They are not alone living in this world for them to take it on their shoulder. So it is the uneducated sector that we should really concentrate on. When I went down, started speaking the uh, speaking about the scientific aspects and what we do and what we have discovered so far, what is happening with One Health or what is happening with conservation or what is happening with whatever we know, then that is when they get pretty fascinating. Um, uh, they feel that uh, these facts are pretty fascinating for them and um, that is when they try and connect to us even better. Uh, this I found to be very helpful when I went on the field, which I thought, uh, is a gap for the previous people who you know uh, were trying to do this they were not actually bringing in science they were just trying to lecture them which i would think is like um, not many people would take it like it maybe yes five or ten people would take it but um, without any facts and without supporting facts you can never ever try and convince majority of the people that you're talking to. So I kind of did that. I bridged that gap. And yes, I did have a very good response. And that is when I um, started doing more and more awareness programs. In fact, a lot of village heads used to call us, uh, call our organizations and ask us to do this program. That's how mm, different uh, or that's how improved uh, uh, the social awareness turned out to be. That's amazing. Yeah. And I understand you did some unique research too on some, um, I believe it was tick-borne diseases. Is that correct? Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that because I, if I remember correctly, when we were speaking, it involves um, surveillance of the um, tick-borne diseases. 
exactly that is a, that is also like very interesting like to talk more about it, like um uh, like i said when i was doing my uh, internship in the rainforest of karnataka um there was a very interesting disease i would say it's a, it's a zoonotic disease basically it's called kasanur forest disease um and it's 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 caused because of kfd virus that's what they you know locally uh, called that and uh, i i i was very much um, amazed when i understood that almost every person in that in that region knew about this disease but all that they would say is um, they would point at like um, uh, before going into that i will say how this happens the, the, the disease spreading is um, um, it's mainly through ticks right it's uh, it uses the macaques in the rainforest and uh, it eventually reaches the people as well it's it's it's, uh, it's it's good to infect people as well so this this basic knowledge the people had in that region that particular region then they whenever i went down uh, speaking about the diseases and how how their uh, cattle and um, how their animals the, the the poultry animals are all doing and uh, is there any connections because like i said i was always interested in this aspect looking into the wildlife aspect and looking into the diseases even when i was in the rainforest doing the ecology aspects i was always looking into this so that is when i spoke to them and a lot of people spoke about this famous disease and um, uh, uh, i was pretty fascinated about it that every person in that village knew about it and they also knew that there were deaths uh, because of that uh, disease so uh, this being a very big you know um, uh, inspiration for me like i started digging more and more digging deeper trying to understand what is happening with that and i uh, i found out like uh, there is quite a lot of works already uh, happen um based on kft virus so i started reading more papers doing a lot of um, research about it this is how i started building things and um for the fact that uh, in uh, the, the i did a re- uh, internship in the very district that this particular disease is located and it's just restricted to that district that i'm talking about it's not spreading to any other district uh, so yeah it was quite fascinating and uh, yeah i also wanted to uh, see if there is any kind of relation between the climate and the disease coming in like uh, like i said i was back then a, a very amateur person like just trying to connect with every knowledge that i had and yeah that's what i was talking about the uh, the uh, tick survey or tick surveillance that i was doing in the forest and that's that's excellent that's exactly you know what what we think of when we're thinking of one health is you know like exploring deeper into that subject and how can we connect it with these other things and i I love that you were looking at that relationship with with climate you know and how it affects the disease spread and everything well tell me more about so you've just finished your your degree in epidemiology and again Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit biased as yep. an epidemiologist, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's fantastic. Um, so what are your plans moving forward? How do you, you know, what do you think about the integrating all these different tools that you've learned, you know, the zoology and biotechnology and epidemiology? Yeah. So to talk about it, like, um, I'll first tell about my, uh, what I did in my master's basically, uh, like, uh, to just 
tell you how I've connected it so far. Uh, after doing all these things from the forest, all the, gaining all these experiences, now that I've got my master's degree in epidemiology of infectious diseases and, and my antimicrobial resistance, now I have, uh, when I was doing my master's, I uh, particularly chose to work on the uh, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic virus, which is um, uh, which is in the African region. So that particular um, uh, you know project was very interesting uh, with help of my uh, supervisor, Dr. Harriet Otti. So she was, she was also very helpful for me, you know, to to identify because, like just now, I said I have varied experiences over the years, but I was always trying to uh, struggle to connect with my experiences with the actual happening in the field. So she was pretty much, uh, you know, helpful uh, for me to figure out what I can do. And that's when I, um, you know, uh, realized that there is one project uh, where I could work on, you know, similar interests that I have in my mind. And this was a very interesting uh, project topic. Like um, it was looking to the seroprevalence of uh, uh, the Crimean Congo hemorrhagic uh, fever virus, and um, uh, and, uh, and and the farmers and the, the local farmers were using a lot of uh, uh, pesticides or um, uh, control measures. So I was kind of looking into the control measures and the seroprevalence that we um, got from the cattle population that we um, uh, got the samples from. So yeah, that that was a pretty good study, and I did my thesis work in that. And uh, after that, now I've just um, uh, the, the kind of experience and the kind of um, uh, you know uh, concepts that I learned while doing my uh, my master's uh, thesis or um, the all my projects works and all my other um, you know course works that I did now I'm uh, very much interested in the neglected tropical diseases like I said before uh, uh, snakes 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 and I always connect <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know it's funny but no no I it's good job my um, in my undergraduate, I had a professor, my ecology professor, he was a huge snake guy. So I always oh. laugh because, you know, when you have those people that love snakes, they love snakes. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. We, we'll just get into it. And um, for the fact that, like, I know the data about the snake bites in India and uh, now that recently it's, it has been revoked in the WHO chose neglected tropical diseases list so uh, yeah so i uh, also wanted to look into that my aspect along with the uh, expo uh, the, the 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 exposure that i got while doing my tick survey and to study after my tick survey in the rainforest now that i also studied the uh, samples that i've received from the african um, region that one and so all these experiences that i wanted i, I i'm now concentrating in two different ways. One is looking into the neglected tropical disease aspects, that is uh, the snake bites alone. And when it comes to the other side of the story, it's it's going to be the tick-based studies, the tick-borne viruses and the zoonotic diseases uh, that I'm interested into. So moving forward, I both will be definitely interested in looking into these aspects, especially when it comes to um, the tick-borne um, uh, viruses or the zoonotic diseases that I'm looking into. I'm, I'm very much interested now to see whether um, uh, if there is any 
kind of in uh, climate change um, uh, um, response for these, you know, um, diseases to spread widely. Are, um, that kind of questions I have like three or four more questions as well. <laughs> so I'm yeah. trying to kind of put it, you know, uh, give, give it some meaning. Right now I'm in the middle of doing it. Hopefully I'll get there and yeah, I'll come with some really good questions yeah. <laughs> which is the need of the heart i'd say yeah i'm excited to see you know you said the sometimes the questions are just as important as the answers so i'm excited to see you know both exactly. what, what comes in the future for you i'm also curious so when you were looking at the um the pesticides and the control measures that farmers were using with the the crimean congo fever um what type of relationship did you see when you looked further into that Sorry. Um, so when you looked further into the um, the pesticide use and control measures and then the seroprevalence with Crimean Congo mm-hmm. fever, was there any type of relationship that you saw there between, you know, what people were uh, doing for their control measures and then sero, uh, seroprevalence for the virus? Um, yes, of course. I uh, when I did my uh, thesis, like um, uh, so, I was basically interested into uh, uh, you know giving it some meaning. For example, like uh, like I said, the farmers were taking control measures to you know control this disease, but I really wanted to see whether or not these um, control measures are helpful, or is it just a waste of money that they are trying to do? Because the fact that um, we're, we're talking about the uh, uh, LMICs, the low and middle income countries. So uh, basically, they're they're not so uh, you know well to do to spend so much on um, all these pest control uh, one uh, you know the what I would say is like the pesticides and all that. So I kind of wanted to see whether it is effective or not, and I realized that there is more to it. It's it's actually not effective when I when I did my thesis. Um, there are uh, they were actually doing it in three different ways, like uh, the dipping method, and they where they used to where they used to you know dip all the cattle one after the other, one after the other, assuming that all of them are being you know treated for the uh, pests and um, spray method, which you will know like there are quite a lot of measures the uh, methods that they do, and uh, uh, these are all found to be like the indigenous methods. I would say they just believe it. Um, you know you don't have to. Um, uh, I mean you do, they're they're not into the scientific aspects they don't really worry about the scientific data so we uh, when this project um, uh, was designed it was actually you know somebody else's project since it's my master's thesis i want i just wanted to restrict myself to look into this aspect whether or not or this one is i mean this uh, these control measures are effective or not this is my question so and i realized that it is not effective and um, just like now i said about the dip method um they assume that it is uh, enough for the cattle to be treated, but uh, I have other ideas. <laughs> I say that it is wrong. <laughs> there are many, many methods to do it. Yeah, that's what I that with the limited time and the, you know how thesis works. I right? just yeah. you just cannot yeah. do it like a whole stretch pro, uh, project like a PhD one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It is. It's you know like answering this one this one piece in the time that you have and. Um, well, and I'm curious, do you have any advice for, you know, students or people early in their careers or who maybe want to make a shift into you know, One Health or wildlife biology? 
course, yes. Um, first of all, I'd like to like congratulate uh, all those senior scientists and people, you know, um, who are on the front line you know trying to face this pandemic which is a result of all of us all of us literally i don't want to spare any of us all of our ignorances over the years and all that we have done um it was you know taken care by the frontline workers and the doctors and the senior researchers if not for them we would not be sitting here and talking today uh, that's the first thing i'd like to say especially that we are from a public health background we look into epidemiology we definitely know what is the um, you know reason or what exactly is happening right now uh, this is more like a you know a public health era i would say <laughs> this is a, it's like such a big thing for us to witness witnessing a pandemic is such a big thing so yeah i'm i'm definitely not happy about it but yeah still <laughs> we could see some uh, changes but yeah when it comes to uh, Uh, advice um, with the very little knowledge i w- i have i can say that most of us uh, think that all subjects are not interlinked and i myself have an experience of uh, a person or a lecturer uh, trying to say that animal health and human health is not uh, linked or it cannot be linked and all that so the uh, respect of what uh, level of knowledge that person has but it still says that most of them don't know that there is uh, actually a link between all of these interdisciplinary studies and uh, i would say i would ask every young or mid mid range uh, scientist or the senior scientist or anybody listening to this um, to actually start concentrating more on the one health approach which is the need of the hour i would say like with with for example so far i've been telling all my experiences like um, there are hardly any people who come with such varied ex- uh, um, uh, experiences like it's just a long long route i would say but it's completely okay for all the young um, scientists who are actually or or young aspirants who wants to be a scientist or who really want to give some meaning uh, Uh, to the actual aspects that we are looking into it for the today's scenario and do not be afraid to uh, you know to take up new steps or bring in new approaches like one health is itself new uh, but with a lot of collaborations a lot of people coming in like um, i kind of feel personally feel that um, this is the best approach that we have ever come up with the, the entire human uh, i would human race i would say so yeah please keep up this one health is important it's the need of the hour yeah i again i'm biased but i agree completely and i, I appreciate that that's great advice and i also want to give you a moment here is there anyone that you would like to thank that's that's helped you along the way um yes definitely uh i'd like to thank a lot of people but it is not possible <laughs> just just can't make it a big link uh because i'm always like thankful for um every person that i've met so far and because every person have added something to me to for whatever i am today i've learned things from many different people so um respecting people would not be fair but meanwhile if i don't take up names or <laughs> even that's not fair so firstly i would like my parents like 
I they I just owe a lot to them, and uh, you know how it's it's parents. Uh, you just cannot repay anything, but yeah, they've done a lot. And for yeah. what I'm doing right now, and what I'll be doing in my future, they are the you know backbone I would say for me. And um, after that, I said I spoke about. Uh, Mr. Gauri Shankar, he's been a tremendous support system for me. He's he's helped me a lot. He's been a mentor for me and he's taught me a lot and lot and lot. Like when I started as an amateur, today I uh, I'm doing something at the mid range and tomorrow I I'm definitely sure I'll be uh, even in, in a better position. So that one um, that one reason is more than enough to you know thank him wholeheartedly and i have a lot of friends who have done this and um uh, they've, they've just been a support system for me and um yeah that's that's a big list again so yeah these these people will be great and uh lastly i'd like to thank dr harriet Orthy, uh who's been a very good support system for me here in glasgow when i started my epidemiology studies from day one to all the way uh from uh the first first day to the last day she's been very uh a good person for me she's she's helped me a lot in understanding many things here um it might be personally or professionally she's helped a lot so that's one more person that i'd like to thank and lastly ginger a big thank for you thank you for you <laughs> i was about to thank you for joining us i really appreciate it you know you sharing your experiences and your insight and i am we love to see that thank you very much and i and i wish you luck you know, on your one health adventure out there i'm excited to see what comes next for you thank you Ginger. yeah thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given me yeah absolutely To support the mission of One Health Wednesdays, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify and remember to leave a rating and review. You can find us on all social media channels and at onehealthwednesdays.com.